Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Father, I pray. Uh, thank you, Lord, for just assembling us tonight, Lord, for being present here, uh, for honoring us with your presence, God, as we come around your word. I do pray, Lord, you'll speak to every heart, and I do pray that you will be glorified, uh, that we would be built up in the faith, Lord, but your name would be exalted, Lord. Uh, as the writer said, Lord, in the New Testament, that in all things, you would have the preeminence. And so, Jesus, we know that tonight, Lord, this gathering is for you. It's not for me. Lord, it's for you, Lord God. We gather unto you, Lord, and we come around your word, and we just ask you to let these ancient scriptures again speak to the very core of our hearts, Lord. We thank you for who you are and what you have done and what you continue to do in our lives. And we just want to say we love you and we bless you for we are a favored people, a blessed people tonight. Amen, in Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter five. I'm gonna read from verse one. Gospel of Mark chapter five, verse one. Then it came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, so that no one could bind him, or even with chains, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and he said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, you do not torment me. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out to the country. Now a large, a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave permission. Then the unclean spirits went out, entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So that those who, those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said unto him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion upon you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him, and all marveled. Can you say amen? amen? This is actually the first Gentile evangelist in the New Testament, by the way. 
Amazing, isn't it? This is a man who's not coming from a Jewish background. He's coming from dark religion. The Jews had enlightenment. They didn't, they didn't live by it. They, they, they defiled the revelation that they had, and it led them, led them into all forms of trouble, as we see the history of Israel is that, that sine wave of a, a helter-skelter relationship with God because of their own sinful nature. But this is a Gentile man, and uh, we'll go into a story in a moment, but I just think it's interesting, isn't it, here? You'll hear me repeat this towards the end because uh, I actually got it at the end of the message and I'm bringing it out at the beginning of the message. But I think it's very, very interesting that this man is the first evangelist. And um, I'm at the end of the message, so now we start at the beginning. Amen. So here we have this story, and this is part of the life of Christ on earth, of course. And Jesus had been ministering all day on the other side of the Galilee. I've been to the Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. I don't know why they call it a sea. We used to go on holiday in New Jersey many years ago to Lake Kapokon, and it was bigger than the Sea of Galilee. So you're talking about, uh, it's about uh, 13 miles long and about 8 miles wide. That's roughly something like 33 miles in circumference. You know, when you go to the Galilee, Steve was with me, you're looking down, you can, it's actually very beautiful. It's very, very beautiful. It's fresh water. And you can look down from, a, from where we were looking down in elevation onto it. And it, it is very magnificent. And then the other side of the Galilee, you have the Gadarenes, which is basically near the Moab mountain area. And it's very mountainous. It's very cliffy, you know. And um, it's, a, you know, we're this story here with this demoniac. You know, he's able to see from an elevation anyone that's crossing over. So this, 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 this demon-possessed man is living up in this region, up in a high elevated area, cliffside, mountainside. And uh, so Jesus has been ministering all day. He's been teaching the people, talking, giving parables about the sore. And then he says to his disciples, let's go over the, the other side. And we know the story. Now this account is in three other, two other gospels. There's three accounts of this story. Some of the accounts uh, said there was two demon-possessed men, which there was. But Mark is only emphasizing one of them. So Mark's bringing in the story of, of really one. These are all eyewitnesses to the event. The others, do, the others don't give a comprehensive storyline, but they give a more wider panoramic, but he gives a more detailed of one particular of the two that got uh, delivered from their demon possession and their darkness. And so Jesus is on the way over. We, we, we know that story. These are just the previous couple of verses, if you care to read it tonight, for some lovely evening reading when you go home, so maybe some devotion reading. Uh, I'd advise you to always go to your Gospels and learn more of Jesus and you, because that's all that the Gospel is. It's all about him. You can't even be reading doctrine until you know who Jesus is. And I, I just want to share that with you as a young Christian. Other people say, where well, do I read? start reading the Gospels? Go John first. Don't need to go Matthew. Go John first, because it all talks about it is the mightiest Gospel, in my opinion, and it encapsulates the, the divinity of Christ in an enormous way. So you read about Christ, and he's ministering to the, to the, to the lost sheep of Israel. He's, he's speaking to them, but he's going across now on the Galilee, and according to some commentaries, the, the storm that happened was a supernatural storm. It was something that was out of the ordinary. It wasn't as common as what people believe. It was actually demonically driven, they say. Uh, that's some commentators. You can nearly cast that to the side if you want. Nonetheless, there's a storm, and the disciples are on the ship uh, as they're passing over. Jesus is exhausted. He's sleeping on a pillow at the back. And they're taking water. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been on a lake. I've been on a lake fishing. I'm a fisherman. I like to fish. And it's been a few times I've been out in lakes. And that never really bad. But I can see how it can get bad. I remember one time on the lake, 
in West Cork, and uh, the water blew up, and, uh, and uh, the, the, you know the, those boats are not the lake boats are not really they haven't got a very deep keel like you have in sea boats. So any sort of a swell can really start to wobble it and move it, and the, you, you see that thing dipping. You can see the water coming up to the edge there, they're going over to the side. Stephen knows what that looks like, being a sailor himself. And uh, so you know when when a storm happens, it can be quite frightening, and it can get quite ferocious in that part of the world, particularly with the elevation of the mountains and the way the wind catches it. So there's this storm, and these, these fishermen, these disciples of Jesus, they're used to the Galilee, but this is terrifying them because Jesus is asleep, the ship is taking water, and they're, they're beginning to panic, and he doesn't seem to be anywhere inside. You read those in a few, few chapters, but then they wake him up, of course, and he begins to calm the wind and uh, the seas, and they are amazed because he is God in their very midst, of course. They don't fully understand what that means because they see a human being in front of them, they can't quite understand the duality of who Christ is. They will understand it later. Now they're only, they're only, as you say, diving into the dark about the revelation of who Christ is. And so they come to this place. And immediately the Bible talks about this man. He's, he's a man that has been bound. We don't know much of his storyline. We don't know a lot. You can, it doesn't take much of imagination to know that this man somehow had opened the door to the demonic in his life. You know, um, I, 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 let me read a quote that somebody I read tonight. He says, the, over, the overpowering of the entire personality of this poor victim by unclean spirits points to a fearful possibility of, of the human life. Sin does open the door to evil spirits. It got very quiet on me. Sin opens the door. So we know this man, this man, he can try to blame my dad didn't hug me enough, my mom didn't kiss me enough. He may want to blame his education, he might want to blame his background. But somewhere in his journey, he opened doors. And he opened doors and the demonic were happy to come in, friends. We, we don't talk a lot about that today. We're too 21st century, we're too sophisticated to even care to admit that there's forces, nefarious forces around us. There's a spiritual war, there's a darkness going on, there's agents of blackness and darkness that are involved in this, in this, in this world today, friends, and are seeking to devour. The Bible says, talks about Satan walking around like, an, like a raging lion, seeking who he can devour. And we're beginning to see not just individuals, but entire civilizations being devoured by the powers of darkness today. People are being possessed, uh, you know, and, and they don't even sometimes even realize it, but this man understood the demonic and it had bound him. It had destroyed his life. It led him into isolation. It had disfigured everything that was beautiful or everything that was attractive about him. He was born into this world like every other child was with every probably doting mom and dad looking at him and had all these plans for his life. And as he grew into a young boy and then into a young man, I'm sure he had plans and dreams of marriage. Maybe he did get married. Maybe he had a family. But he opened the door and his life now became so shipwrecked, so dark so hazardous he was his entire personality was like he like an army had invaded his mind it's interesting when jesus begins to confront the demonic and he and he calls out who's your name and the demon says our name is legion for we are many well a, a, a roman legion of six thousand men and 130 horses that was the average size of a roman legion and you can imagine how this man is crying out even inside i feel like i've been invaded by an army of darkness and that's the reality, friends, you know, when we consider what Christ has done in our own personal lives, it was no small thing. It's no small thing that we can sit here in the house of God tonight 
and lift up holy hands and worship him because as he was dark, so are we, friends. And as, as he had opened to the demonic, we did. We may not have been possessed, but that was a grace from God that we weren't possessed, friends. But it doesn't matter tonight. The greatness of the gospel, whether you're possessed or not, there's a God who can deliver. Amen. And this man, was, he was beyond hope. They, they had socially excluded him. The people feared him. The religion of the, of the gatherings, you know, they were, they were, they were, they did nothing they could do to help this man. They, they did everything. Yeah, I'm sure they brought him to psychologists. I'm sure they had him on all forms of drugs at their time. I'm sure they had him in therapy and self-help groups. I'm sure he drained everybody mentally and emotionally and physically and psychologically. Everywhere he went, he was a disaster. You know, I, I'm sure that, friends, I'm sure they would have loved this man in their society as much as we would have any in ours, but they couldn't help him. They couldn't bind him. They couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't alleviate him. He had his dwelling among the tombs. He lived, you know, in the eyes of a Jew, of, a Jew, of course. You're not even to touch dead bodies. You're not meant to be near swine or pig. That was against the Torah, the law of God. Now, these were Gentiles, but Jesus is coming in. Amen. They're watching from the other side of the lake. They're hearing the stories of a holy man. They're hearing the stories of a rabbi that has come up in the, through the ranks of Israel and is causing no small stir, friends, among the Jews, Jewish people. He's a man that is opening blind eyes. He's a man that is raising the dead. He's a man that is feeding multitudes of people. He's a man that touches the leper. He's a man that can do the miraculous. Don't tell me for one second the reputation didn't go a few miles across the river, friends. It certainly did. Can it be true? As many say today, can it be true? Is it really true? Is there a God that can set me free? Is there a God in heaven that can touch the very dark places of my life that nobody even realizes are there, but I know they're there? And you can imagine this man, he's, he's, he's got no hope left. He's left to rot. He's left to live a life of violence where he is self-harming, cutting himself with sharp stones. How many, how many stories have we heard today of young people hurt, hurting themselves, cutting themselves? You know, I read a statistic recently that the U.S. Army in its 20 years in Afghanistan had over 120,000 suicides in Afghanistan. 120,000 just in the U.S. forces, just in Afghanistan. You're all young men, mostly, mostly young men, some young women too, but mostly young men. 120,000 more killed by suicide than anything in combat. You look around the world today and you see beautiful young people, beautiful young girls, handsome young men, and they're cutting themselves. And they have like thousands of voices in their head driving them into darkness, telling they're worth nothing. They're bound in their rooms. They may not be up in some mountain in Decapolis, you know, in the gatherings, they're stuck in their bedroom, stuck in front of a screen that is just drawing them into more darkness, surrounding themselves. And then all they can do is hurt themselves, and moms and dads are finding it useless, no ability to help them. Friends, we are living in such a time today, friends. We read this man, he's not an isolated incident. You know, the only thing that's changed between now and 2,000 years, we dress a little bit more comfortable, we live a bit more comfortable, but the need of man is exactly the same. Brokenness everywhere. Our mental institutions are, are, are breaking at the seams. Our, our, our structures, social structures are falling apart. Our legislators are the very ones using the same facilities, friends. 
They're not, no better than us. You know, they legislate for us, but they're lying on some leather couch midweek asking for some pill to get through the week. And that's becoming apparent. We're beginning to see how everybody has fallen. Not just pastors, friends, not just religious, but the world is falling. And so this man bound. The darkness that covered him said he'd often been bound with fetters and chains, but he broke them into pieces. The Bible said he became possessed with unclean spirits. The word is akataros in the Greek. It means something that has lost its purity. It said it, no man could bind him. The word bind means to morally compel or oblige through religious obligation. Interesting one, isn't it? When you begin to dig a little bit deeper. You know, I want to tell you, false religion has no ability to deliver. All it does is compound the misery of a man. That's all it does. All it shows is how fallen short you can be. But it can never fix it. It can never get you there. Can, you can never morally oblige a person to live a life. You can, friends. Forced morality has no virtue. There's no virtue to it. They tried that for many years in our own country of Ireland here. Where you had this religious structure... And you had to do it their way. And you had to do it this way. And that way. And of course, it, you know, all we did was box in the manifestations which were raging in everybody's flesh. The demons, the darkness, the appetite for sin. And then when the social structures lifted, all forms, when they can't hold you, when they are broken, when you break the chains of religion, friends, which you will always break, all of a sudden there's no restraint on the human behavior. The police, the army could not sort them out. The problems, the social scientists, the psychologists, the counselors, the religious clerics of his time, the self-help groups, as I said. He had been bound by them. I'm sure he went to different courses. I'm sure he tried it all. But the result failed. Failed religion. This man now lived in an impure spiritual state, tortured as a result of his own sins and as a result of false religion over him. Cutting himself, crying, tormented, and then he sees Jesus from afar. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, when you read your Bible, and I encourage you, you know, we don't, none of us read it enough. Because when you begin to read and meditate about this man, Jesus, what a wonderful Savior we serve. He says, no matter what, he ran. He saw him from afar, and he ran, and he worshipped him. Hallelujah. He worshipped him. It tells me no matter who you are, no matter how dark it is in your life, no matter how much sin you've committed, you may think you're odious to God. And, you know, I would tell you, God has still given you the ability to come to his feet. Hallelujah. The Bible says that God calls all men everywhere to repentance. And within that call comes the ability to repent. It's a grace from God, friends. In the, in, in the overture to come to him, he also gives the power for you to come to him. Isn't that wonderful? That's the reality of it. None of us were bound. We're sinners. We're just like, you know, Lazarus in the tomb. We can't come out. We're bound, you know, but we can somehow shuffle. He's given enough power for us to shuffle out even in our grave clothes, friends. And he worshipped him. And he cried out, the Bible says, with a loud voice, what have you to do with, what have I to do with you, Jesus, the Son of the Most High? For God's sake, please don't torture me. That's what he cried out. It's amazing, the lies, what the devil puts into people's minds. 
A lot of people resist coming to God because they think somehow God wants to torture them. And that's the lie of the enemy tonight. I want you, I want whoever you are listening, whatever, whoever's listening, the greatest one you can run to is to the feet of Jesus. He's not going to torture you. He's no intentions to torture you. He loves you. And yet the demons are whispering, don't go near him. Don't go near him. You're a filthy, dirt and rotten scumbag. All right, we might be possessing you, but you acquiesce to it. You're every bit as guilty as us. He hates you like he hates us. Run to him at your own peril. Let me tell you, friends, don't listen to such voices. There came a time in this man's life, he wasn't going to listen to such voices. He knew the only hope in town. And the only hope in town still today, friends, is the name of Jesus. And he ran and he fell at his feet. He began to worship him. And I'm sure he's like the prodigal who's coming home. You know, I'm not deserving of any blessings here. Just, I just have to get to your feet. Please don't beat me up, but I need to get to your feet. There was at least something honest about him, even though his theology was way off. His understanding of who God was was way off. His understanding of God's mercy was way off. But he had the good sense to fall at the feet of Jesus. Oh, I'm telling you, no matter who, the Bible says, whoever should call upon the name of the Lord. It's not talking about some vain name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, this. Or, I'm talking about this sort of a man that would come and fall at the feet of Jesus. There's something very deliberate, something that's very, very real. There's something very authentic about his cry. And there's something very authentic when he ushers out his false sense of fears. There's what, it's what he felt. It wasn't true, but it's how he felt. You know what? You can never be too honest with Jesus. Even if your feelings are off, tell him how you feel. And be prepared to tell, tell yourself that my feelings are liars at times. And he fell at the feet of Jesus. Jesus at no time... At no time, the Bible says, the Son of Man has not come in to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. Hallelujah. What a message. I don't know about you, but I grew up with such a skewed view of God. My idea was God, that I'm odious. He doesn't love me. There's no way he could love me. And if, the only way he could love me is if I make myself somehow socially conducive to him. Somehow I can, I can fix myself and present myself as somewhere half decent to him. And then I'll have some utility with God, maybe some sort of favor, maybe get a little bit off him. You know, that was my thinking. That's the thinking of all religion. But that's not the thinking of the gospel. The Bible says the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That he is still looking today, friends. He is still seeking around this world who to, who to seek and to save. That's the heart of God. You know, Christian, listen tonight. The only reason you're here is because you're an extension of that vision of God. He left you here to locate him and bring his gospel to this world. You are the hands, feet, voice of God to this dark world, friends. This is one of the means, praise God, that he's left you and I to be custodials and not just that messengers of this gospel. And so this man runs to the feet of Jesus and Jesus knows straight away the honesty, this, this torturous cry. You know, you don't need to have everything right tonight. You don't need to know it all, but you need, to, you need to do one thing. You need to get to the feet of Jesus. You need to come into his presence wherever, whoever, whatever you are. He is the only one that can cast that army out of your head. He's the only one that can take those thousands of thoughts that flood you like a torrent. Some are not demon-possessed, but they're so possessed by a worldly thinking. You've had so many headshots on PlayStation. You've had so many zombie wars. You've watched so many graphic violence. 
You've watched so much pornography and filth. You've listened to so much filthy rap music and filthy violent talk that there are thousands of conflicting voices going into your head right now and you don't know how to get out of them. I want to tell you, get to the feet of Jesus. Amen. He's able to rip that stuff out of you. He's able to cleanse you. He's able to put you in your right mind again because it's going to take a supernatural move of God to clear the decks, friends, because you have no ability within yourself. What a savior. Is he phased when the demons pucker up to him? When he calls them out? One of the commentators of this passage said it was nothing other than a vain expression of the demons because not too far away was a Roman legion at one stage parked and they're just, they're just being boastful. We are legion. Yeah. Who do you think you're going to? You think you're just up against a couple of us? There's a legion of us here. Boastful in their, in their antipathy towards him you know, in their disdain for him. And so, you know, sometimes you begin to see foul reactions out of people. But I want to tell you what, I don't care how foul the reaction is. God has still got his way to every man's heart. Don't be put off by what comes out of people's mouths. I used to get so put off as a minister. I, I wrestled with getting a bad reaction from somebody you know, to the point I nearly walk away. You can go to hell. I'm not interested in talking to you. You know, you get that demon. But I've since learned that, oh, behind that voice, there's a person, amen, who Jesus loves as much as he loves me, amen. That's someone's son. It's someone's daughter, friends. It is the fallen son of Adam. And the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came all the way across that river, that lake, that sea. Came all the way across, friends, through a storm. For that one man, he was exhausted. He'd ministered all day. Everything Jesus did was waited and deliberate, friends. There was nothing by chance. He did nothing other than what he heard the Father to say or to do. He went nowhere unless the Father directed him. And you can imagine God, the Father in heaven, was looking down at this tortured soul as he looks down upon you and I tonight in your misery or whatever condition you may find yourself in. And he sends to the power of his Holy Spirit an overture to you to come and worship at his feet. And so Jesus cast, he cast the demons out. And we know the story. They, they, the demons just drove these swine insane and they ran down this cliffside and, and, and into the sea. And it's interesting, this man now was, he's set free. I mean, can, can you imagine? And you know what? We can't imagine as Christians because when I became born again, I knew something had fundamentally changed. The manifestation started to grow. But I knew I was translated. I'm, I'm not in that camp anymore, amen. I don't fully understand this one, but I know I'm in it, amen. I don't fully understand everything that I bought into, but I know, I know his love. I know his just cleansing. I know his power. I know the power of his cross. And then it's like when Paul says, if any man is in Christ Jesus, all things pass away or those of old time begin to pass away and all things start to become new. It's wonderful, the romancing journey as a Christian, to start from a clean conscience and a clean heart and to start to grow in, to understand how wonderful a salvation we have and how wonderful a Savior we serve. There is nothing else in this world. I actually came in tonight quite tired. Brother Hamp rang me during the day to say that his daughter, we need to pray for Bethany. He was made a minister tonight. And I had all these things going on in my head and 
But you know what? When I came in here tonight and started hearing the worship, actually it started when I walked in and heard them practicing and I was touched in my heart. And I would say, thank you, Lord. Whatever happens tonight, it's such, it's such a privilege to be saved. It's such a privilege to know you. It's such a privilege, God, whether people take this message or not, to be able to speak the truth of God with a conviction, because I've experienced it. And those who were born again can all nod a hundred times over and say, I've experienced that too. Hallelujah. That's our testimony. The demons were cast out. This man is in his right mind. He's now in the right camp. He is happy. He is absolutely set free. But not everybody's happy. Not everyone's happy, friends. I had a friend of mine many years ago. This is when I was a young Christian. I remember him giving his testimony. And uh, he was, he, he, at 17, he was a certified alcoholic. And at 18, running with gangs around Valley Behind. So back in the 70s, when there was a lot of that sort of skullduggery behavior going on. And gangs were an issue in Cork at the time. And he got wonderfully saved from an alcoholic background. He was a bit of a pup, as we'd say back then. And he was so saved, set free from God. His mom and dad didn't know how to handle it. And, you know, after a few weeks, the mom came to him and said, you know what, Josie, I think you should go down and have a couple of pints in the bar. Yeah, the guy was destroyed from alcohol, but mom and dad didn't know how to handle the purity. It's like all of a sudden, he's too pure now. All of a sudden, he's too clean because he's living so excellently that it's contrasting my lifestyle. And I don't want that. I'm all about helping other people, but I don't need any help myself. Thank you very much. And don't you come in here with your Jesus. And don't you show up my little piggy little sins. And that always worried me with these gatherings, how, how they couldn't celebrate with this man. And of course, we understand because they know a holy man has come in Jesus. They don't quite understand he's God. They don't know he's the Messiah, but they know. They, they know did. They, they know the Spirit of God. There's no doubt. The demons knew it, and they knew it, that something powerful happened here. They knew someone crossed over to their region of the world. Decapolis was an area of ten cities. It was mainly influenced by the Greek culture. It was Gentile. And even to have a Jew to come across there like that, and a rabbi at that said something. Something was happening. If they took the time to understand what was happening, of course. And of course, they're not quite happy with this. They know the Jewish Torah. They know that you're, not, be, you're not, not meant to be having swine. That was part of the Jewish law. And yet, they're very, very happy for this man to be free. You know, Christ is good for the demoniac. We're very happy. He's good for the alcoholic. We're all yippee for that. You know, he's good for the prostitute and the drug addict and the wife beater. But don't bother me with my piggy little sins. This little piggy went to the pub. This little piggy went to the club. You know, what's nothing wrong with those? Is there really? I want to tell you, sin opens the door to the demonic, and it always does. And they had a religious culture, friends. They didn't mind if you drank yourself into oblivion as long as you had a, 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 a cure the next morning. And you turned up for work, and you didn't lose production. As long as you could hold yourself socially, they didn't care what way you lived. Didn't care how moral or immoral you were. Just make sure you use a condom. You don't give a baby before marriage. That's the sort of thinking. That's the sort of religious. We want a form of godliness or a form of order. And that's all they wanted. And so when they couldn't get it with the demoniac, they institutionalized them and they put them out. But the rest of us, we can get on with our sin. It doesn't overwhelm us. We're not possessed by it. 
We can have it on the weekends. And we can function during the week. We can do our religious practice on a Sunday and act like a demon on a Monday, but we'd be free for the next Sunday. And that was the sort of religious... Religion's the same everywhere, friends. Not just here. That is religion. Religion is all about boxing in and becoming socially acceptable, but the core is dead man's bones. The core is a cup filthy on the inside and clean on the outside. And this man gets free. This demoniac man gets free. And his very presence makes everybody else uncomfortable. I want to tell you, you give your life to Jesus tonight, people will tap you on the back and say, oh, we're very happy for you. You just wait a few weeks. They won't be all that happy. Because, uh, no, I don't want to partake in that. Yeah, you, don't, you, don't, you don't say the smutty jokes anymore. No, no. You don't curse anymore. You don't smoke. You don't, you don't, you're not getting drunk with us. You're not debauching yourself. With, you know, come on, man. You're, you're, you're over the top. No, man, I'm born again. I was in the dark camp, and now I'm in the light camp. Amen. I, I was here. I was so bound. I was so enslaved by sin. You know, and, you know, but you, you, cannot, you don't need to be so fanatical. You can have a bit of sin, and you can have a bit of religion. And that's why these, that's why Jesus provoked in these, in these well-meaning Gadareans with their own version of religion. He just began to poke a little bit and say, hey, he might have had his issues, and he had his issues, there's no doubt about it. That demoniac, you could have written a book on his issues. He was violent, he was all these things, he was totally outrageous. But they had theirs. They had theirs too, friends. And it doesn't matter if it's, if it's one or a hundred. It doesn't matter if you missed the mark by a millimeter or a mile, you've missed the mark. It makes no difference to God. Perfection is perfection. Holiness is holiness and no sin will ever enter the presence of God. It will not enter. He will not let it enter. He will not let heaven become what earth is today. He will not wink at it. He will not allow it into his presence. But he still loves the sinner. He says, but I have a remedy and I have a way to fix this sin dilemma. And of course, he didn't extract that from you or from me. He extracted that remedy from his own precious son who went to a cross that should have been our cross and died a death that should have been our death. And live the life that we could never have lived of purity and obedience unto God. And then lay it down as a sacrifice to pay the consequences of our sin. Not with the perishable things like silver and gold, but the precious blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, religion wants its little sins. Oh, that's what it does. Religion is all about letting me have a certain sort of level of sin and pleasure in it. And containing it. And I want to tell you, those pigs marched down the side of that river, side of that mountain, into that, into that Galilee. And it struck at the very heart of false religion. The impurity of it. So this world was happy when Christ healed and fed and set demoniacs free. But when the light of the truth starts to shine upon their sin, false religion and worship, then people reject him. And they send him to a cross. And that was as much for the Jews as it would have been for the Gadarenes. Because all religion is the same. All religion produces the same. All religion is some man-made contraption to justify the way they want to live and not essentially change. But that's not what the gospel is. Jesus said, I have to come that you would have life and have it abundantly. I have come to share you with no other. I was conflicted tonight whether to preach out of Hosea. Great story. 
of a man who married a woman that had very poor reputation, ended up being like a prostitute away from him. And he says to her, there's going to come a time you're going to call me Ishi, husband, and I won't share you with another. Hallelujah. See, religion wants you to share with the devil one day and with their idea of God another day. Jesus said, no, I share you with nobody. You're mine. And that wonderful, wonderful encounter. You know, that demoniac man wanted to go back into that boat with Jesus. He wanted, why would he not want to be with him? The one that set him free, the one that has showed him kindness and love. He knew that he, he knew at that moment, you came all the way here for me, didn't you? You know, when I became a Christian, I, we used to always say that if you were the only one in this world, Jesus would have come and died for you. Do you know it's true? He came here all the way for you. As if you were an only son, an only daughter. He loves you as if you were an only son, an only daughter. I grew up in a family of 10, and my parents are imperfect parents, with the best parents in the world, but imperfect as regards the heavenly parent. And yet they loved us all as if we were only children. How much more? The glorious love of God as it shines down upon you and I. And this man, why would he not want to go with him? Why would he not want to leave such falseness and such hollowness? These, these gatherings should have been falling at the feet of Jesus and say, my God, you have the words of eternal life. Look what you can do. You set the, dark, the, dark, the darkness out of this man. You set him free from, you give him, put him in his right mind. We could never do it. But no, they want to get rid of him. Not for me, thank you very much. It's good for the demonic. I don't need him. But he wanted to go back with Jesus. And Jesus stops him and he says, no, he said, go back. Tell your friends and your family all what God has, the Lord has done for you. Something must have happened because two chapters later, they're inviting Jesus back to the Capitalist to heal a sick man. This man must have had an effect, friends, you know, because a couple of chapters later, they're calling in him to heal a man in the Capitalist. This, this demon, ex-demoniac who had very little theology, didn't have the Torah, didn't have Jewish understanding, but he had life. Yes, yes. He, all he could say is, I don't know about eschatology. I don't know about pneumatology. How many other allergies could I come up with tonight? But you know, but one thing I do know, I was once dark and now I'm in the light. I was once bound and now I'm free. I once had no love and now I'm full to overflowing with love. And I want to tell you, the man who did this for me, his name is Jesus. And that test, we began to go very, very fast because it said it went all over Decapolis. Ten cities there, friends. And then they're calling for Jesus. So tonight, brothers and sisters, go and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Go and tell them and work tomorrow. Ask, them, ask the Holy Spirit for the opportunity. Maybe there's a soul there that has got 6,000 voices screaming through their head. Maybe there's a soul there that's self-harming. You don't know about it. You'll see it at the arms. You'll see the, the cuts. Maybe there's someone that's so disgusted with themselves and their behavior. They're thinking of suicide. They're empty. You need to go and tell them what the Lord has done for you. And you need to share the gospel with them. Because without it, men, men and women are perishing by the millions. Friends. They're going to lost eternities. They are destroying themselves. And they're taking others with them as well in their ignorances. And yet God in his mercy has brought you and I and put us in our right mind. Hallelujah. Cleansed us. You have a testimony similar to this man. Every one of us had come from darkness and vices, friends. Every one of us can stand and say of the goodness of what the Lord 
has done for me. That is your testimony. And as this young evangelist, I made him young, I don't know how old he was. I anticipated he was young. But he went out and he preached Christ. Wow. No church, no worship band, no Sunday morning at Cork Church for him. No come in and see a pastor for counseling. I want to tell you, friends, you can do it. You have the testimony. And you begin to speak that testimony, God will minister to you. Isn't that amazing? My food is to do the will of my father. And as he did the will of his father, the father fed him. Amen. Would you stand and let's give the Lord praise and let's pray together tonight on our Wednesday night. Maybe in some small part in your heart, you just have that sense of, oh God, what a great gospel. What a great savior. Well, just tell him tonight. Close your eyes for a moment. Raise your hand with me and just say, Jesus, you're so wonderful. You are such a compassionate God. There is no one like you. That you would cross, Lord, such a vast ocean for us, God. That, Lord, you would span, you would, a mighty gulf for us, God. That, God, you would leave the glory of heaven, Lord Jesus, Lord, and you would come into this awful world with all its tragedies and evils. And you would wrap your arms of love around that world today, Lord. And, Lord, your heart and your love has not changed. There is no shadow or turning in you. The passion that you had, Lord, going to the cross is exactly the same. You haven't changed, Lord. We change. I change, God. I'm hot and cold with people, oh God. My, my wick can burn very dim, Lord God. But you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, that love, Lord, that was, that, that Lord, that so drove you, Lord, that you set your face like a flint to go to Calvary. It's still in you today, Lord. And I thank you for that, God. I thank you that you haven't changed, Lord. We are so changeable. Lord, we're like the weather, Lord God. Your people, Lord, we are so changeable. And I pray you help us, God. I pray you help us, Lord, first of all, to give thanks for who you are, what you've done, and who, the, who it is that we serve. And I pray you will embolden us, God, to go, Lord, and to wrap our arms around the demon-possessed world and tell them there's a God in heaven that can set them free. And, Lord, we can speak to the oceans, peace be still, in the name of Jesus, Lord. The turbulence in people's minds, peace be still. And even now, Lord, I'm praying right now, Lord God, for anyone here, Lord, or anyone watching, Lord, that, Lord, is in a storm, Lord God, and they can't hear nothing, for peace to be still in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Whoever you are, the voice of the Lord comes to you and says, Peace and be still and know that I am God. And come and worship me right now. And come fall at my feet and see what I will do with you and for you and through you. And you'll have a testimony. And men and women will know that you have been with me. And men and women will turn from you, but not I. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You might be the only one. But I will never abandon you, says the Lord of hosts. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.